Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's so great to see you today. It's so great to be in the house of God. If you're excited to be in the house of God, would you put your hands on it today? We thank God for being here. And it's so good to be here. And whoever you are, wherever you come, trust me, there are all sorts of different kinds of people who are here, um, religious, non-religious, churched, unchurched, old, young, black, white, whatever it is, we're just simply glad that you are here today and so grateful for um, all of our guests who are joining us um, as well. My name is Ethan. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, excited about the word today, excited about a message that I believe will, will bless you and touch you um, wherever you are and whoever you are. We'll be ministering to you today. So if you would, pray with me and then we will dive in. Father, in Jesus' name today, we're grateful for the opportunity to be together. And Father, right now in this moment, I ask for every single person in the room today that you would deposit into them exactly what they need for this moment. Father, we believe today that you are with us. We believe that you lead. We believe that you speak we believe that you provide. You're the great provider. So, Father, we trust in you today, and we ask that you would minister us, minister to us through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Hey, well, one of the things that um, we recognize as a staff team is that our staff team, we've got upwards, I think, of about 10 staff or so at the moment here at the Bridge Church. We've got a couple positions that we're trying to hire at the moment, so we'll call it a dozen here in just a few few weeks, hopefully. Um, but one of the things as a staff is we spend a lot of time together. You spend, uh, hopefully, some time with your, your coworkers, assuming that you're um, in the office some these days. And you get to know each other, and you get to know um, each other's personality and the differences of, of each person, and, and, and it becomes quite fun. You become a, a team. Uh, you become a family, hopefully is the goal of a team. And so uh, one of the things that our, the staff is always uh, pointing out to me, you know, it's interesting too that it's hard to know exactly what you're like. It takes other people around you to help you know what you're like. Anybody like that? And the staff keep telling me that I'm a pretty extreme person. Now, in my mind, I don't really feel that extreme, you know? Um, you know, what in my life, the things that I think it feels normal to me, the things that I do just feel normal, but the staff, they keep pointing out things to me that, hey, Pastor Ethan, that's not normal. That's, that's actually pretty extreme. So, so for instance, um, I, I like to go out in the wilderness by myself and camp for a few days, and Pastor Chris has told me that is not normal, okay? Extreme. First of all, he says black people don't do that, okay? That's like a, that's such a white thing. You white people are interesting. It's, and then in addition to that... Um, in a, you know, stuff white people do. Um, in addition to that, um, you, you know, I, I like to be, be out in the wilderness by myself. And, um, and uh, this past summer on my sabbatical, I did like a several-day extravaganza uh, on an island, a remote island, and camped out and uh, caught this like huge shark, this like five or six-foot-long shark. And Pastor Chris is like, that's a problem. Uh, that's... Um, <laughs> You have a problem. And, uh, and then, and then um, uh, I like to do all sorts of crazy, uh, something that I did a few, a few weeks ago and I found out that was extreme as well. Um, I'm in F3, which is a men's kind of fitness group that's, that's here in our city and then it's nationwide as well. It's, it's a men's fitness group and kind of the point is to really um, invigorate men um, in, in, in three areas, uh, fitness and fellowship and in faith. It's actually a pretty brilliant uh, concept. And so I've been participating for about the last couple of years and they do this 
this event that's called the Grow Ruck. And I had to learn what rucking is. And so a ruck is like this thing that, it's like a book bag basically with this weight. You put weight inside of it. Why? Because we're extreme. So you get this book bag and you put a 30 pound weight in the back of it. And then all your gear and all your, ends up being roughly about 50 pounds. And then you go do stuff. Like, uh, and so there was this event called a ruck event. And it was in Greenville, North Carolina, North Carolina, just a few weeks ago. And we were going to do this ruck through the night. And, um, which sounds miserable, and it was. Uh, we started, um, they really don't tell you much about the deal except for there is like a required gear list and then like a prohibited gear list, and you must have those things and not have these things, and then you have to show up at a certain time, and so we began at 5.30, and <laughs> it would uh, go through the night. Uh, we, we would actually, it didn't end until 9.30 the next morning. It was 14 hours straight, uh, no breaks, um, no, like, naps, no, no, no just, just the whole time. Um, we, some of the guys tracked, tra- tracked stuff on devices or whatever. We, apparently, we went 20 miles uh, that night. We went through about five different bodies of water, uh, carrying telephone poles and sandbags and, and all sorts of, of crazy, stupid things, um, um, because apparently, I am an extreme person, and I just I will take that mantle. Um, but even for me, like, even for me, there were, there were moments many moments in the middle of that night where I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, who, who thought this was a good idea? I mean, this is, it, the, the low temperature, it was down to like 36 degrees at one point in, in the night, and I'm soaking wet the entire night. I mean, for 14 hours, um, it's absolutely, it was just, just as bonkers. It was just, it was just stupid. And I'm like, why, why am I doing this? There, there, and there were points, needless to say, throughout that evening where I'm like, I just don't want to keep going. I just don't want to keep going. Um, can I like, is there an exit strategy? Is there a button somewhere? Can I like, you know, can, how, can, how can we get out of the situation that we have put ourselves in? You know, in life, oftentimes, if, if you haven't been there before, you will be at some point. In life, we find ourselves in challenging situations where it's hard to keep going. Family situations job situations, financial situations, relationships, health situations. If you are human, that means you will find yourself in seasons of life where you feel like you can't keep going. You'll look around for a exit, a button, what's, where's the eject button, where's the lever, how do, I, how do I get out of this situation? And for you and for me, if you want to have um, a quality of life that is able to endure life's hardest situations, you need to understand and to learn how to keep going. How to keep going. Here's the title for today. It's this, How to Keep going. How to keep going. And today we're going to be in the book of Acts in the New Testament in Acts chapter 27 and a portion of chapter 28. And I wrote on my page today to remind you to take notes today. I want to remind you to take notes, and I don't always do this, but um, I'll have a few specific points today that I think will become uh, almost like uh, part of your, um, uh, consider them tools in your tool belt 
as ways that you can use, that you can access these things this afternoon. You can access these things um, in a few weeks, in a couple years. Um, so write them down, text them to a friend or a spouse or someone uh, when you are trying to figure out how to keep going. We're looking at the story. Um, Acts represents the story of the, the people of God just after the time of Jesus Christ. So this thing that we call the church that has existed for the last couple thousand years, our leader was a man named Jesus Christ, who we believe was the son of God. We believe that he was God the Son. We believe that he wasn't just a man, just a religious leader, just a good moral person or whatever. We actually believe that he was God, that he was God the flesh, that he left heaven, he, he entered human history, and the story of the Bible is a story of God uh, saving a people, um, redeeming a people, rescuing a people for himself. And for those who find Jesus Christ, we believe in Jesus Christ there is new life. We believe there is new life, that, that these songs that we've been singing about resurrection here in this Easter season, that, that actually God does a spiritual thing inside your life, uh, similar to the story this morning in baptism, that God does something inside your heart and your life, spiritually speaking, where you may have been uh, what the scripture calls spiritually dead, but then when you meet Christ and you understand who God is and what he's done, there's something that ignites on the inside of you and you actually begin to have a new life, a different kind of life, um, a completely different kind of life altogether. You're still kind of the, in some ways, you're kind of the same person, but you have a completely new life. And um, the, the story of the book of Acts is these first Jesus followers. Right after the time of Jesus, these, these first Jesus followers who were trying to figure out how to be the church, um, when there wasn't a whole lot of structure, there wasn't a whole lot of infrastructure organization, it's just, it turned into a few thousand people who believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and they're trying to live this Jesus way of life in the world. And so this is the book of Acts, and it tells us the story of this early church, of these early church leaders, and the way that God, through his spirit, moved in these people, and the amazing things that they were able to do um, in these first few decades after the time of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that just because they were Jesus followers that they were um, able to um, es escape challenges or hardships we would actually find out that some of these Jesus followers would in many ways have an even harder life because they were Jesus followers. You could fast forward in history and you could look at emperors who, like Nero, who literally wanted to wipe out Christianity, um, and Christians who would, who would be burned to death and who would die because of, because of their faith. And so the story of the book of Acts is really how they persevered, how the mission moved forward, even in spite of hard challenges and circumstances. Don't you know that anything in life that's worth moving forward has to move forward through challenges? It, your personal health, your family health, a business, a, a venture, anything in life, in order for the mission to move forward means it has to move forward through challenges. It has to move forward through adversity. That's, that's how the mission is accomplished. And here at the very end, um, next Sunday is going to be the final installment of our story, A Church on the Move, looking at the book of Acts. It's going to be our final installment. And th today we, we look at this man um, named Paul, who's a leader of the early church. He's, he's one of the key leaders. And here he's at the very end of his ministry, near the end of his life. And we see that after everything that he's been through, after all the ministry challenges, after all the hardships, he, he's a man that's literally been beaten for his faith. Myself as a pastor, I've, I've never been physically beaten because of my faith. 
He's, he's been beaten, he's been ridiculed, he's, he's, been, he's been in the civil system, in the court system because of allegations and accusations against his character. And he's just, he's seen it all and he's almost lost his life on several different occasions. And then here he's near the end of his story and things actually get worse. Uh, things get worse. And, and this, is, this is how the story goes in Acts chapter 27. Um, after he's been in front of several different Roman leaders, and now they're going to take him back to Rome. They're going to take him all the way to Caesar in Rome. And this is the story about him uh, trying to get there and his journey along the way. And literally, as they are traveling, a storm comes up uh, against their ship as they are traveling. It, it says this in, in verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, speaking of being on this ship, a storm, a bad storm had come up, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss, <laughs> which by the way, Paul told them they shouldn't do this a few days ago, and he was actually right. At verse 22, yet now, even though we're in the situation that we're in, he says, I urge you to take heart. And then he says this, there's, the scripture tells us there's over 200 people that are a part of this ship who are, who are on this boat. Yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God or a messenger of God to whom I belong and whom I worship, speaking of God himself. And he said that this angel, this messenger said to Paul, which by the way, we believe that God speaks through visions and God speaks through his Holy Spirit. God speaks through a lot of different ways. He, he gives uh, Paul this, this, this message through this messenger. And this is what the angel said to Paul. Do not be afraid, Paul. Even the greatest of church leaders need to be encouraged not to be afraid. Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, which means you got to get to Rome. you got to get before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you... All those, God has granted you all those who sail with you, meaning God's going to spare your life and he's going to spare every other person who is in the boat. And so Paul's in this crazy situation. He's in this crazy storm. Literally, they're being blown across the Mediterranean Sea. And in the middle of the night, Paul gets a messenger from the Lord where God speaks into his situation. Here's point number one. For how to keep going. Here's number one. It's this. Keep listening. Keep listening. It's important when you find yourself in a storm, when you find yourself in a challenging situation, super important who you're listening to. I cannot stress how important it is when you're in a challenging situation, who you let speak into your life, what your input is. All of us will be the byproduct of what is put into us. It's important that in a hard situation that, that you keep listening, that, that you keep listening, that your ears are open to the right voices so that you know what to believe and what to hold on to even in the midst of a storm. I love this too, by the way. Paul's in a crazy storm. I mean, it's, it's a disaster. I mean, it is, it is rough. Everybody thinks they're going to die, understandably. Um, 
But guess who shows up in the midst of the storm? God does. God does. God, aren't you glad that we have a God who meets us in the storm? Some of you today need to believe and need to understand that even in your situation right now, even in your storm, there is a God who will join you and meet you in your situation. he's, he's He's not like running away from you. He, he's not because you made a bad decision or because you're in, a, in maybe in an uncomfortable situation or a less than ideal situation. God's not uh, distant from you. God actually joins you in the storm. He meets you in the boat. He, he shows up. He, he shows up he, and he's, he's with you. And he's, he's, not, he's not a, a foreign God. He's, he's not away. He meets you in the storm. He meets you in the trials. He's with you in the storm. And because he's with you in the of the storm, you can know that he's going to lead and he's going to direct and he's going to help. I love what Deuteronomy 31.6 says. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You gotta hold on to, there's a God who's with you in this storm. There's a God who's with you in this challenge. There's a God that meets you in every valley. We did a series a few years ago in the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, and we titled it God in the Valley or Hope in the Valley, something like that. But the point was, is that even in the worst valley, it was back in 2018, so give me some grace, but even in the worst valley, that God is a God who meets you in the valley. He's not just a God who's on the mountaintop. He's also a God that's in the valley and that he shows up in your life in every situation. And he won't leave you or forsake you. And so it's important when you're in a storm, it's important what you're listening to. Somebody say, keep listening. Keep listening. It's important what you listen to. It's important what, what you're being fed. Um, it's, it's, can I say, it's important what your feed is. What, what information you're being fed. What truth you're being fed. A couple years ago in the fall of 2020, uh, it, was, it was a bizarre year. It was a hard year um, for all of us on a lot of COVID, election year. I mean, madness, disaster. In the fall of 2020, I'm like, I just need to take a break from social media. Uh, I mean, it was, it was just for a number of different reasons for me personally. I'm like, I just, I just got to take a break because, because this isn't help, helpful for me and healthy for me because the feed of what I was being fed wasn't producing in me what I, I, I know I wanted to produce in my life. And so I had to cut off that feed. It's important when you're in a storm what your feed is, what, what's, what, what's being fed to you, where you're getting your information. Where, and, and here's the good news is that you can actually hear God in a storm. You can listen to God in a storm. God will direct you in a storm. The scriptures are completely littered with this, is that God actually leads us, that he's a personal God, that he cares about your situation, that he cares about your story, and that he'll lead you through it. And you're like, well, how do I listen to God, Pastor Ethan? How how do I hear him? Four ways. Here's number one. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Uh, We believe that um, through Christ, that the, the new life that we have inside of us is caused because of what the scripture says is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like a generator. A generator, you turn it on and it produces power. We believe that in Christ, there is a new power in us and that the Holy Spirit, God himself, now lives inside us. So you can listen to the Holy Spirit, which means you need, sometimes you need to take a walk. Tell your neighbor, tell the person beside you, take a walk. Take a walk. 
That was worth the price of admission right there. Sometimes you need to take a walk, don't you? Gosh, I love the prayer walk. You're like, what's prayer walking? Prayer walking is you just walk, usually by yourself. And you just walk somewhere, anywhere, it doesn't matter. Um, not in traffic, though, but anywhere. And, and you just walk, and you, know, with your, you can pray with your eyes open. Um, and uh, you, just, you, just, you just let it out. You just let it out. Do you know that you can tell God about your situation? Did you know that you can express to God your situation? You can just let it out. You just let it out. And, and then in those moments when, we're, when it's still and when it's quiet, we have the ability to listen to God. We have the ability to listen. Do you know that Jesus Christ, one of the patterns that we saw in his life, one of the spiritual practices that he did on a regular basis is that he just got away. And usually he didn't tell anybody. It's because he wasn't married. If you're married, you need to tell your spouse. But he would just walk away. He would just walk away. He'd just peace out on everybody so that he could peace in on God and have some time with God. And, spend, and it said that even, oftentimes, even before the sun came up, he was gone. And he was walking somewhere, somewhere in the wilderness, we don't know. Because he needed space to be able to hear. Even Jesus Christ needed to get away from the noise, and he needed to be able to hear. You, you, can, hear to, you can hear from the Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two, um, the, the other way that you hear from God is through Scripture. Through Scripture. We, we, this is God's written revelation for us. This is how, how God has given us his story this is how God has given us his, his plan and his, his purposes. And there's, there's, like a, there's like a million principles in here. I mean, there, it's, it's a lot. I've even got degrees and still can't master it all. Um, this, is God's, this is scripture. This, is, this, this transcends time. This transcends culture. This transcends any situation. And what you can find in here is always truth for your life. You can always, and God will, God, how many of you hear from God in Scripture? You open the Scriptures, and you just, you just read, and you listen. That's why we need to be in the Word. That's why we need to be consuming Scripture in our lives so that we can hear, hear from God. And the, other, the other way, I put worship music. Gosh, I hear from God so much during worship music. Um, I, love, I love worship music. Um, I'm not a huge Caleb fan, but I do love worship music. Um, Caleb's a little too positive and encouraging for me. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, um, I have my own playlist on Spotify of my own selected worship songs, and um, it's amazing how God will speak to you through music, through worship. Um, the scriptures are so full about talking about praise and singing, and, and a lot of times it's because it gives us a connection to God, and you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation. Do you know that worship is a conversation, uh, that, that you speak to God and he speaks to you? And so, so worship music. And, and then here's, here's the last one, number four, is through community, through community. Um, and I'll say godly community, okay? Not your drunk friends at the basketball game or whatever. No, godly community. This is the church. Maybe you're in a community group. Maybe you're in a D group, uh, whatever. The point of the church is it's supposed to be a place where it's godly community. Did you know that we're supposed to speak into one another's lives? Did you know that we're supposed to encourage one another, that we're supposed to correct one another, that we're supposed to help shape one another? You ever find yourself in a hard situation, not know what to do? Bring a few people around. Sit a few people down. Have a meal, have, have some coffee, whatever, and share with them your situation. They'll speak into your life. If they're godly people, 
Um, even if they're not godly, God has an opportunity. God oftentimes will speak through people. But we use, so we use those things so that we can keep listening. Somebody say, keep listening. Keep listening. Now, here's the, here's the next passage or the next scripture in verse 25. This is, this is what also happens um, in the boat. In verse 25, um, it says this. Uh, Paul says to everyone, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Paul says, everybody, we're going to be okay. And they're like, you're an idiot. He's that guy. We're going to be okay, everybody. It's going to be fine. And I have faith in God that it will be exactly, exactly as I have been told. Um, but we must run aground on some island. He's like, we're going to wreck. Like, the ship is going to wreck. But I promise you, we're going to be okay. Everybody is absolutely going to be fine. Can you see the eye rollers at this point? You, you, see, you see these people, like, sending him emojis, like, are you serious right now? Um, here, here's number two. It's this. Keep believing. Keep believing. You, you know, it's not just important to listen and to hear what God has to say, but once you have heard what God has said, then you got to do the work of believing it. You got to keep believing. You got to keep believing. You, you got to have a belief in God. You, you got to stand on His promises. You got to hold on to what He has said, um, which, is your, which is your mindset. Are you, are you believing in what God has said? This is, this is what happens when, when a friend leaves us, when a relationship goes south. We want to believe everything that God has not said. I'm a horrible person. I'm a terrible person. I must be this. I must be that. You know, whenever the storms come, we, we tend to believe everything that is untrue. You ever done that for a friend or a spouse? Your spouse is going through something and they just like empty everything on you and you're sitting there thinking, ooh, I don't really think that's true or that's true or that's true or that's true. You can't say it in that moment. Don't say it in that moment. But you can tell how sometimes in the middle of a hard situation you begin to believe everything that is untrue. You gotta keep believing. You gotta keep believing. You gotta believe what God has said. And Paul says, I believe that it's gonna happen exactly as God has said it's going to happen. I'm holding on to exactly what God has said. I'm not like 50% down with God, 75% down with God. I'm 100% down with what God has said about my situation. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. The point of faith is that you are operating according to what God has said, not operating according to your circumstances. That's what faith is. Faith is hanging on and holding on to who God is and what he has said, even when your situation seems to say otherwise. I love what the pastor Tony Evans says. I've said this quote 5,000 times. I love it so much. He says this, faith is believing it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it may be so, because God said it is so. I think that's like the best definition I've ever heard of faith. Faith is I'm going to right now walk out what God has already said, even though it doesn't seem like it, even though it doesn't feel like it, and I'm going to trust that God's actually going to use that part of my faith as the means by which he's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in my life. That's what faith is. It's fidelity. Faith is fidelity. It's walking in fidelity 
until what we know God has said, which means we've got to keep believing. I had a professor in Bible college who would say this all the time. Don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. When the darkness comes, and the darkness is coming, when the darkness comes, you have to, in the darkness, remember and hold on to what God has already revealed prior to the darkness. I've got to take his truth with me into the darkness because it's going to be hard to believe what he has said when I'm in the dark. And so i got to hold on to it. i got to keep believing even when it doesn't feel like it. So that's number two. Now look at verse, look at verse 27. Did you write down keep listening? Did you write down keep believing? All right. Are you two for two so far? I know sometimes it's hard to take notes. Two for two. Verse 27 says this. When the 14th night had come. How many of you were like so seasick by day 14? I mean like. When the, when the 14th night had come, I would have lost, lost track, honestly. As we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, the Adriatic Sea is the, the sea between the, the tip of Asia and Italy, and it, it, it goes southward into the Mediterranean Sea, and so they're going across uh, westward to, to help you. That, I don't know why you needed to know that, but... Um, across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, now they're trying to get out. Now they're trying to get out of the situation that they're in. Now they're trying to bail on it. It says, as they were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat, this is the lifeboat, they got the lifeboat going down, lowered down into the water, and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion, this is the, remember, Paul's just a prisoner. He's not in charge. He's not the captain. He's in chains. He's just a prisoner. He says to the leader, to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. He says, if you bail now, he says, what God has revealed What God has said is that all who remain together will be saved. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat, the lifeboat, and let it go. That's a pretty bold move. You know the purpose of a lifeboat, right? That's like to save you. And... Now, Paul says to cut the ropes, that you've got to stay in, in the ship. Um, a lot here to unpack, but let me just give you point number three. Here's, here's number three. Uh, number three is this, keep speaking. Keep speaking. This will make sense in a moment. So Paul has listened to God. He's heard what God has said about his situation. And then he has continued to believe. He says, I've got faith He's continuing to believe what God has said even in his situation. Even though his situation hasn't gotten better, his situation has gotten worse. So he's believing. And then now in a situation when it seems like it couldn't get any worse, what does Paul do? Paul speaks into the situation out of a belief. Paul speaks into the situation. He speaks into what's happening with others. He speaks into what other people are doing. He has the audacity to speak into these other men's lives. And he, and he says, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. 
I want you to know that in order to endure, in order to make it to the end, in order to keep going, you got to keep speaking. You got to keep speaking. You got to keep speaking into your situation. You got to keep speaking things over that marriage. You got to keep speaking things over that relationship situation. You got to keep speaking some things into that business situation. You got to keep speaking some things into whatever the situation is that you find yourself in. Paul has to keep speaking, he has to keep saying what he knows to be true. You just can't just believe it one time and think that you're good. You got to keep reiterating what God is wanting to do and what God is wanting to accomplish. Because oftentimes it gets worse before it gets better. And when it gets worse, you got to keep speaking what God has said to be true about your situation. Um, I'll do this. I'll do this. Um, I'll do a short version of this. Um, I, th- I think based on um, my experience of the scriptures, I think there are at least three kinds of faith. I'll, I'll break them down to you real quick. You don't have to write these down. Um, three, three kinds of faith. Um, w- the first one is what I'll call saving faith. Saving faith is when... Um, you, you experience God, you, you hear the good news of the gospel, you hear articulated what Jesus has done for you, you, you come to a point in your life where, where you recognize that you need to surrender your life to God. At that moment, you believe or you trust. That's what I'll call saving faith. It, it's faith that saves. It's, it's literally how you begin the Christian life. It, it's, it's faith that saves. The, the second kind of faith is what I'll call sustaining faith. Sustaining faith is faith to endure. It's to hold strong. It's, it's to believe. It's even in hardship to have persistence and to have endurance, to really believe, even though that it's hard. And that's, that's a, it's a different kind of faith or a different way of expressing faith. It's, it's faith that endures. And then number three is what I'll call speaking faith. Speaking faith, and what the scriptures say is that oftentimes in our situations, we need to speak life into our situations. We need to speak truth into our situations. And that faith isn't just something that um, is passive where we just hang out in faith, but faith is um, active. Faith is active. Faith is like a sword. You not only defend with it, but you actually move forward and you advance with it. And I'll call that speaking faith, which is faith that shapes, faith that forms. You know, the famous scripture that the power of life and death is in the tongue, in in what you speak and and what you say. So what you speak is really um, important. And that we have to be people that are speaking faith, that we're speaking truth, speaking life into our situation. We're holding on to what God has said. And let me do this as well, too. Um, there's, a, there's a it's, it's hard to know exactly what to speak and what to say when you're in a hard situation. Um, there, there's kind of two categories that um, I think are helpful. And most, most people in my experience, most Christians in my experience, don't do a great job of trying to thread the needle on these. And, and I don't do it perfectly either. But on one hand is, is lament. And the scripture talks about lament. Uh, lament is, is acknowledging pain. It's acknowledging hurt. It's being vocal. Lament is being vocal about your situation. It's being vocal about your pain, your hardship. We see this all throughout the scriptures. We see this throughout the Psalms. A, a large amount of the Psalms are actually Psalms of lament, where we get a model of what it's like to go before God with, with all of our pain. 
And so you have lament, which is expressing pain, but then we, we also have faith, which is we're expressing faith. We're expressing truth. And sometimes, like, um, the positive people don't have a category for this, and the negative people don't have a category for this. No, but, it, but it's both. And, and here's how they work together. Lament is when we speak to God about our situation. We, we, we vocalize to God about our situation and, and about what's going on and our hurt and our pain and all those things. So if lament is speaking to God about our situation, what is faith? Faith is speaking to your situation about God. Uh, lament is speaking to God about your situation, but faith is speaking um, to your situation about your God, saying, this is my God, and this who is who he is, and this is what he has said, and this is who I am in him, even when life doesn't go the way that I want it to go, even when things don't pan out according to, to my plan, uh, but I'm going to speak faith into my situation, and, and that's what Paul does. Paul continues to speak into his situation what God has revealed about his situation. I love what Josh Baldwin, the, the writer in his song, the Christian song Evidence, he says, all throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring and every season from where I'm standing. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. This is speaking faith into my situation that I'm seeing and trusting and believing in what God has done. And, and they had the audacity and the boldness to believe to the degree where they cut the ropes. They cut the ropes. I personally see this lifeboat as their exit strategy. I see it as their exit strategy. This was like their plan B. But Paul said, there is no plan B, guys. If you do plan B, it's only going to produce what you do not want in your life. You have to stick with plan A because plan A is what God has spoken and what God wants us to do in our life. I think too many times you and I, we create an exit strategy in case God's plan A doesn't work for our lives. I was thinking about this uh, this morning um, with, with the bridge. This is what God's called me to do. Um, and and I, I, I love you, by the way. I, I love our church. It's the best church in the world. I just absolutely love it. Um, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and this is, uh, th this, is, this is what God's called me to do. I, I, um, there's a lot of other things like I could do, like I could be a, um, I could be a master, uh, I could be a pit master with barbecue if I wanted to. Um, I think I could. Um, I like to do construction and a bunch of building things, and, um, and I can catch big sharks and a few other things. But, um, um, but you, you know, I don't have like an exit strategy for this. This is the only thing I know to do. This is what God's called me to do. I don't have like, in case the church ends up in this way, or in case the church does this, or in case finances do this, or in case attendance do, does this, then I've got, no, 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 this is the only plan that I, that I have, because this is what God, God has called me to, and if God calls me to something else, then that will be my plan A, but this is God's plan for my life. I, I came here to tell somebody today that don't give up on God's plan for your for your life or whatever your situation is, your calling, and thinking that an exit strategy is going to be better than what you're in right now. 
All right, if God has called you to a marriage, don't have an exit strategy for that. If God has called you to a certain uh, business right now or a certain job right now, some of you are in a workplace environment that is absolutely horrible. If God has called you to that, don't have an exit strategy right now until he reveals otherwise. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay in that relationship. Stay in that situation. And I can't tell you what that is. Only you can know what God has called you to do and told you to do. So hang in there until he calls you to do something else. Come on, somebody. You got to stay in there. You got you to hang in there even even when you feel like giving up, you can't have an exit strategy. And I'm going long, so let's end this way. Was that three points so far? Was that three? Okay. Here's the last one, verse 39. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. They saw a, a beach, a sandy beach, and if they could make it to that, then hopefully they could Get ashore, verse 40. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind. They made, they made for the beach, but striking a reef. This situation just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Like, come on, God, give me a break. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, the bow, which is the front of the boat. Uh, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern, which is the rear of the boat uh, ship, was being broken up by the surf. I've been in the ocean quite a lot. That's a pretty rough surf it's, if it's breaking apart the back of the boat, the back of the ship. Verse 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. I love that Paul's faith has now impacted somebody else. I love that Paul faith, Paul's faith has now infused someone that's not even on his team. And now this person who has had the interaction of having to be around Paul for a few days or a few weeks is now in alignment with what Paul is, what God has said to be true in Paul's life. And he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was. That all, somebody say all, all were brought safely to land. Every single one of them. That's crazy. They make it to land, they make it to this, this island. They, they, they're on dry ground, but then it doesn't stop there. Look in, look in verse 7. We see, we see what Paul does. Um, which, by the way, if this is me, I'm ready to take a nap, you know, eat something, be done, take a vacation. Says this now, now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius, this man, he lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. And they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they got another boat apparently. They put on board whatever we needed. Here's, here's the last one. Here's point number four. I love this one. Number four is keep serving. Keep serving. I'm just so encouraged by Paul right here. I mean, I'm done at this point. I'm done. 
I've been in the ocean for a couple days at a time, and it is not fun. I would be ready to take a vacation. I would be ready to quit. I would be ready to just sleep for about four days straight. And what does the Apostle Paul do? Well, there's a need. There's a need. Did you know that there's always a need? There's a need. And what does Paul do? Paul takes advantage of the opportunity and he serves. He serves. He serves in this situation. You know, one of the most powerful things you can do in a hard situation is to serve someone. You know, one of the most powerful things that you can do whenever you're facing hardship, when you're facing challenges, it's serve somebody else. You know, it gets your eyes off of yourself for a little while. It makes you focus on something other than yourself and your situation. Sometimes in hardships, we can navel gaze just a little too much. Can I say that? And I don't want to minimize your pain. I don't want to minimize your situation. But uh, Paul serves. He serves. He takes advantage of the opportunity. I'm sure he's hungry. I'm sure he's tired. I'm sure he's beat up. I'm sure he doesn't have any energy in him. But he takes advantage and and he serves. And guess what happens when he serves? There are more people who have needs. And the entire island comes to him. And God puts him in a situation where he can still operate according to his gifts and his calling and still make something happen and still help change people's lives and impact people even when he's at a place where he didn't intend to be. Even when he's in a situation that he didn't want to be in, he can still impact people. He can still help people and serve people and he can still operate according to his calling even when it isn't how he drafted it up to be. He can still serve. You got to keep serving. And here's how I'll close. Um, Because I'm a nerd and because I geek out on the scriptures, um, if you look through the entire chapter, it tells you all the little destinations of the places you've never heard before. It tells you the little destinations of where they went and, you know, across the Adriatic Sea and da-da-da-da-da and this. And it tells us that this island that they ended up is this island called Malta. Do you know where that is? It's right beside Italy. It's literally right under Italy, which was where they were going in the first place. That's where they were actually trying to end up anyways. And they were blown by the wind. They were, they were carried about by the storm, but they still ended up in the destination where God wanted them to be. Can I tell you today and can I encourage you that even in the storms of your life, God can take you where you need to go. Even in the challenges of life, even in the hardships, that doesn't mean that God isn't taking you where you need to be. God can still use that situation. God can still use that circumstance to take you to the destination where he wants you to be. And sometimes that means the storm is actually the design in our lives to get us to the destination where we need to be. And that's what God is doing even in the storms of our life. And a storm doesn't mean that you're outside of God's will. Paul wasn't living in sin. Paul wasn't like Jonah running from God. Paul was doing everything that God had told him to do. And he was still in a storm and he was still shipwrecked. And that doesn't mean that he was outside of God's will for his life. And so you got to keep, you got to keep listening. You got to keep believing. You got to keep speaking. And then you got to keep, keep serving. And you got to recognize that God is still God. He's still God. 
He's still God in the storm. He's still God when the circumstances aren't the way that you wanted them to be. He's still God. Had this conversation with my daughters this week. I got three little girls, as you know, and it is my responsibility to take them to school in the morning. I actually wake them up at about 6.35 or 6.40 every morning, get them ready. Um, Disaster ensues for about 30 minutes. And uh, they... They kind of know how to dress themselves at this age. And um, by the time we get into the car, um, it can be quite a hairy situation. Um, no pun intended. And, um, and I have a few rules in, in the car. Um, no talking until you get buckled. So you got to buckle up first. And so you, no talking, get buckled up. Uh, once you buckle, then you have the ability to talk. And then every now and then, um, I'll say no talking at all. <laughs> Just... <laughs> No one. We're not going to talk at all. No one talk. Um, and then every now and then I'll, um, and then every now and then I'll um, try to do a fatherly, uh, give, provide them fatherly direction in their life. And this one particular morning, uh, this week, they were. I mean, everything, everything was bad. My hair was this, and my dress is this, and my shoes are this. And I mean, it was like the sky was falling. I mean, it was like everything in the world. You, you thought like the world was about to end, I mean, in the car. And so I did a little exercise with them, and I'm like, hey, girls, let's do a, let's do a little something. Um, tell me, let's list as many things as we can. Let's list as many things that we are aware of that are outside our control. I said, well, the, well, the weather and the the sun and um, the birds and the grass and they listed a, a handful of other things and I said now let's now let's list the things that are in our control they said well me my attitude my perspective they didn't use the word perspective but you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know, You know, it's important for us in life, and especially in a storm, that we recognize what is under our control, what's in our control, and what's not in our control. Some of you are trying to control some things today that are not in your control. It's not in your control. It's not in your control. You can only control you. You can only control. And God only expects you to control you. That's what we call self-control. That's the only kind of control in the Bible that God expects you to do self-control. So where is it in your life today that you need to trust him, follow him, believe in him, trusting that he has everything that is outside of your control under his control? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, today we're so grateful for your truth that we can hear you at all seasons in life, in all situations, and that we can hold on to you, and that we can believe, and that we can persevere, and that we can push through and that even in our hardships and our storms, we, we can still do what you've called us to do. We can still love, we can still serve, we can still bless. We can still do everything that you have called us to do. God, for every single person in the room today that's in a storm, that's in a challenge, that's in a hardship, God, I pray that you would touch them, bless them, strengthen them today with your Holy Spirit might. And we believe you, we declare, we declare you're going to get us through this storm today. We declare that you are making our paths straight. We declare that you are taking us to the destination that you want us to go.
we're declaring this over our lives, over our families, over this church, the Bridge Church. You're taking us exactly where you want us to go. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.